everybody welcome to the 35th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin live from rip city after a big trailblazers game five victory and i got my man sage got a new shirt on feeling extra like i'm feeling extra good about myself the worst extra like i etiquette ev- extra saucy is what i was about to say i don't know why but the worst part and i love everything about doing these podcasts but the worst part about doing them is that Dustin sees the clothes I wear every day. So, like, I, I had to buy some new stuff to freshen up the look. Sage, I hope you appreciate it. We're recording damn near near midnight every time during this this playoff push for the Trailblazers. A little earlier, thanks to the 7 o'clock start, it's 10.50 on a Wednesday night. And to be honest, Sage, you're lucky I've even thrown on a shirt. I mean, I could probably do this topless and nobody would know. Just you. <laughs> just me. Uh, just you. Uh, you're lucky my hair is even parted. Sometimes it's all out of whack. Uh, but that's the beauty of a podcast. Well, and, and the messed up thing is, he doesn't look as fly as he normally does, but he could still go to any restaurant in Portland and be just fine. Thank you. Thank He's you. a very I mean, fashionable guy. I'm definitely always a slummy one when it comes to fashion when we hang out. I'm trying to up your game a little bit, though. I think you've taken some tips and tricks, and your your style's working real nice for you, my friend. Don't sell yourself short. Well, <clears throat> when you first met me, I was wearing bootlegged Saints jerseys and stuff like that. So bootleg, actually, bootleg Hornet jerseys. I yeah. think you said you bought them online from China and Sage. I, I was like, no. No, no, no. If you're going to rip your team, you got to rip real shit. So we found that Mitchell and Ness. I told you when those discounts were. You signed up for that newsletter. And what do you know? You got the fly guy etiquette, and you got a lot of gear to rock around Southern Oregon for this playoff push by the Trailblazers. And I can't think of a better bookend birthday for, for myself. Tuesday, April 26th, I was born. 31 years old, Portland goes out, gets me a Game 4 victory Monday night before my birthday. They return the favor as a belated birthday present tonight in Staples Center. It wasn't easy, but they grinded out a 108-98 victory over the LA Clippers to take a commanding 3-2 series lead heading home to Portland for Game 6 on Friday night where I know it is going to be rocking. I mean, I feel like... Rip City, did you not let him know happy birthday? Because he mentioned it every like he's mentioned it four times on the last podcast, and we opened the show with it. Wish this man a happy birthday. Oh, I got a happy birthday. I came into the office on Tuesday, had myself a dozen donuts, which I shared, of course. Oh. Got myself a nice gift card from work, a sweet balloon. I mean, I was feeling good. They sang me happy birthday. I got a free hot dog courtesy of River Pig Saloon. Uh, so shout out to River Pigs. We went there pregame um, on Monday, tweeted my pick of a hot dog. And they said, hey, the Blazers pull out this victory. The next one is on us. So not only did I get a Blazers victory, I had a free Tokyo dog out of it. So hell yes. And, uh, you know, got the birthday wishes on Facebook. The parents and the in-laws called me. And uh, Olga made some fire dinner with a great dessert. Uh, 
just a fantastic birthday weekend that we celebrated, you know, three days. And we're going to keep going. This whole playoff push, I'm going to dub as just my birth celebration. So let's keep it going, Rip City. I'm not ready to stop. I know you're not. But I got to be honest, this game scared the living shit out of me more than games one, two, three, or four combined. For this Trailblazer team, this was the first time all season they have had to play with pressure, that they have had to play as the hunted. They were always the hunter, always under the radar, playing with a chip on their shoulder, using that never doubt Rip City mantra, always the underdog. Well, now that the, you know, the flip was switched and Portland is now being favored by all of the national media. All everyone is talking about is how are they going to match up with Steph Curry when he returns in the Golden State Warriors? Can they maybe steal a game without Steph Curry? You know, how are they going to put away the Clippers? You know, they're a heavy favorite. They're just going to destroy the, the Clippers. They're undermanned. No Blake, no Chris Paul. Especially in today's day and age where there's the internet and social media at your fingertips in a matter of seconds, you cannot tell me that those players haven't heard that chatter around the media, around the basketball world. And that is very difficult, especially for the youngest team left in the playoffs to block out. And Sage, I thought they they looked a little scared to me. They looked like the moment was going to be too big for them uh, through that first half. Did you notice the same? Oh, yeah. I mean, this was easily the most frustrating game of the entire series for me. You can tell that I'm not having a good time by my tweets. And if I'm talking about really hardcore hip-hop, you know things aren't going well for the Blazers. I was talking about M.O.P., Mash Out Posse, and I I just had this song that they did with CB4 called Stomp the Shit Out You, and I just listened to that the, on loop the entire third quarter. This, this game was irritating me. We played scared, frustrating. We didn't get into our offense. No one was hitting outside of Mo Harkless. He really kept us in the game that first quarter. Yeah, you want to talk about a player who came to play. I sent out a tweet. I said, hey, Mo Harkless showed up. Is anybody else going to join him? Uh, Money Mo started out in that first half, 17 points, 6 of 11 shooting, including a surprising, you know, you'll take 2 of 4 from deep from Mo in 7 boards to go along with that stat line. Uh, he only finished with, you know, 2 additional points and 3 additional rebounds, but you'll take 19 and 10 from your starting powerful forward every single night and you're completely accurate sage if it wasn't for his activity on both ends of the court it could have looked really shaky for portland Mm -hmm. because the clippers weren't missing bad shots we played some good defense but they were also missing some shots that you were a little surprised that they did they were playing a little tight too doc said they got uh overly emotional they came out with a lot of emotion if i'm going to compare this to a game i would liken it to that opener we played in minnesota when Flip Saunders mm. passed away the memorial for him. That was a young Minnesota team, and they blitzed Portland. Clippers didn't exactly blitz us, but they put the pressure on us, and they made us feel it. Portland weathered the storm nicely, though, and um, I really thought it started with that third-quarter defense. The Mo Harkless's bucket in the, in the fourth quarter, I believe, was a pretty big turning point because the Clippers were actually making a run back. And he just ran the fast break and just beat everyone down that that layup. So Mo Harkless contributed in a lot of different ways. I mean, j- just because he only scored two points in the in the second half, those two points were pretty big. But what were you saying? 
I said I really thought the game turned around at halftime. Yeah. Portland came out. I believe they went on a 10-0 run. They held the Clippers scoreless for the first 536 of the third quarter, and their defense was just a little bit more suffocating. Portland brought their energy up to the Clippers, and the Clippers being you know decimated with injuries couldn't sustain that. Yeah. And I think we just – it was like a rope dope. We just kept punching and punching, and you know we took their best, but it wasn't enough. And we had just more eyes, more bodies, and we just came in droves and eventually wore them down. But overall, it's not an incredibly satisfying victory. And I know that's crazy to say when you're one win away from advancing to the playoffs. And a little bit of that has nothing to do with the Trailblazers and has nothing to do with the Clippers. It has everything to do with the injuries to, mm-hmm. to Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Because you don't want to see a team get injured. It's happened to us. And I guarantee you, if you would say, hey, would you rather beat the Clippers full strength or half strength? You're taking the full strength because you're taking their best shot. Mm. And there's nothing the Trailblazers can do about it. They did what they had to do. They went and got a victory. But it's human nature, I think, to be a little bit like, man, this would feel a little bit better had we beat them with their main guys. Do you, do you think that's that holds up, Sage? Nope. Because I'm... People can say that this series, if the Blazers win, you can put an asterisk on there. But you know what? Who cares what other people say? We saw them play extremely well. I, I don't really care. I, I'm happy that we won. We still had to fight. We had to fight really hard. I'm super excited we won the game. And if you watch the game, if you had a camera on me, I'm jumping up and down. Stays hitting threes. Crab's hitting threes. Dame gets going. Like, I'm hyped. But I'm saying I wish it wouldn't have taken until the fourth quarter for us to put this team away. I, you give the Clippers credit for oh, coming out and playing for their coach and playing for one another. But the Trailblazers were just too sloppy. They were forcing it. Um, too many turnovers early on. Just, just awful from the free throw line. I mean, they're 13 of 22 in the first half. They finished 22 of 34, uh, 65%. Thankfully, the Clippers were only 20 of 30, 67%. But missing free throws is a sign of a team that's not focused, not used to playing with that light turned on just a little bit brighter. That is a little – while the Warriors should be favorites, you don't want another situation like in 2014 when Portland comes off of an emotional victory over the Rockets and then just gets clown stomped by the Spurs. And that scenario could happen – if they don't start making crisper passes, better decisions, and slowing down. I thought early on they really forced it. They weren't making the right passes. They were dribbling into the teeth of a double team or Plumlee was getting the ball at the free throw line and not react, not, not making the defense pay. And But the beautiful thing is Portland escapes with victory, and hopefully they can take that as a learning experience. Because at the end of the day, they they were in a catch-22, Sage. If they lost, it would have been, oh, my God, how do you lose to the Clippers without Blake and Chris Paul? And if they won, people might say, you only won because Blake and Paul weren't there. So they were in a tough situation. And what I do love was that fourth quarter. What did you see in that fourth quarter that finally got those two guards going, Sage? Was it the, I think that 10-0 run was the C.J. McCollum-centric run that he did by himself, essentially. Right? He, he had a lot to do with it. He, yeah. he was the one that had a mohawk for those first quarter. CJ was in those, those you know, the second and third. Yeah, because I think once CJ established himself on offense, it seems like the, the Clippers cannot blitz both of those guards. 
So Dame relinquished some of the responsibility and gave it to CJ. And I think that's what the real catalyst was for the Blazers, was just Dame relenting, giving CJ that opportunity to score. And he did he did a lot of important things in the third and fourth quarter. CJ was the man. Yeah. Dame was struggling. They, The Clippers, without Chris Paul, only had so many resources, and they decided, okay, Dame is not going to beat us. So they only had enough energy to really blitz Lillard, mm-hmm. which left CJ open to operate. I mean, they sent double teams, but it wasn't that second and third wave that Lillard faced, and CJ really made him pay, whether it was off the dribble, shooting that step-back jumper, probing that defense, or even getting to the line and getting to the paint. He played almost like a Damian Lillard type of game. 27 points, 9 of 18 shooting, 7 of 8 at the free throw line. That is the key statistic to look at. He's getting to the line 8 times. That's something that he hasn't been able to do during his most improved player campaign. But the fact that he's doing this shows he's only got more of a ceiling to reach, and that is probably the most beautiful thing as a Trailblazer fan. If he can keep getting to that line, it's going to be real tough for defenses to key in on this backcourt. He also finds time to chip in four assists, four rebounds, and two blocks. Speaking of those blocks, I thought his defense on J.J. Redick has been magnificent since Game 3. Yeah, I mean, there was just that one bad quarter where I think J.J. scored like 10 or 12 points. And then other than that, I believe that was the second quarter. Uh, other than that, he's played a really, he played really good defense. I think C.J. and Dame play a lot of your turn, my turn during the season. But this game, CJ handled the second and third quarter. Dame actually got a chance to shine in the fourth. I think he had like 15 points in the fourth quarter. So it was more, it was a more cohesive game between those two guards because it's always been the your turn, my turn game to really show their stuff. So that, that happening in the, in this game was a huge thing. Yeah, and I was actually surprised when I looked at the box score to see JJ Redick had 19 points. He did shoot 17 times to get that and went 50% from three, but I thought he really had to work for his bucket. Oh, yeah, he had to work, but I, I, I distinctly remember one really bad quarter. Yeah, he got to the lane a couple times on yeah. that curl. Yeah. And also, I got to give credit, Doc Rivers drew up a couple plays out of timeouts, which got him nice layups. So, But for the most part, it wasn't like games one and games two where he was getting just those consistent yeah, open yeah. looks off of those you know, double screens, DeAndre, because um, DeAndre is a beast to try to work around and CJ did a fantastic job thought he set the tone early with that block on think on like the second or third offensive possession for the Clippers and if we're talking about CJ's defense I want to give it up for Lillard because he was on Crawford a lot of the night and Crawford's not used to playing 44 minutes I'm sure he played like 38 in that victory against the Jazz that everyone keeps referencing with the whole team pretty much out but yeah he started and he played 44 minutes. He did have 17 points, but he was held the 6 of 23 shooting. And they were talking on inside the NBA that he's like a J.R. Smith. Yes, he can score. Yes, he can get you buckets. But the degree of difficulty on his shots is so hard. He's always leaning forward into traffic. Uh, Portland did a great job of not giving him open looks and making him try to get into a rhythm off of tough shots, which – Yes, it can happen. He's a great player, but you're going to have to live with that if you're Portland, and that's where you want him, and it was a great defensive strategy by by Stotts. The bigs actually moved up a little bit more on that pick-and-roll help, did a fantastic job, and they're going to have to do more of that in Game 6 because this Clipper team, if they showed us anything tonight, they're going to make Portland work their ass off with this victory. 
this might contradict myself, but isn't that what you would want? You want to deserve this game. It doesn't matter who's playing, but you definitely want to work for this opportunity to get farther in towards your goal. Yeah, you want you want to play a Clipper team that is fighting. You don't you want to play the Houston Rockets. You saw Houston, probably the most dysfunctional team in the NBA since the 2001 Trailblazers, just absolutely lay an egg. Jason Terry probably pulled the last rabbit out of his hat, predicting a victory, saying it's going to be a long flight back to Houston for Golden State. Uh, obviously, it was just a ploy to fire somebody up. It didn't work. If you're Portland, you don't want that. You want the Clippers to come out to fight and make it make you earn it. If you win by 20, fantastic. That means you're playing up an even higher level. But you want a formidable opponent. Yep. We've all we've all played basketball. We played against those teams that just lie down, and it's not super fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, you'll take the victory, but it's always such a more satisfying victory when you know the opponent wants it just as bad as you. And the Clippers give them all the credit in the world. They fought like it was game seven and they gave everything they had they did they scrapped and that that does give you a little more excitement as you're a trailblazer fan yeah i mean it props to i mean i got i I saw a lot of a lot of people were saying how trash austin rivers was but man in that first quarter he was so comfortable and that's what scared me a lot. I remember, I believe I sent you a text saying, "Oh God, Austin's comfortable." Because if he's comfortable, he could probably hit a three pointer on us. He wasn't the trash bag Austin Rivers most people know him as. When he gets time, he's confident. He plays well. Props to him for playing over what I expected him to play, since I've seen him play for three years. For Portland, moving forward. They're going to have to take this momentum that they found in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Clippers 37 to 27. They shot six of 12 from deep in the fourth quarter and overall 57%. But it was none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Damian Lillard, who stepped up and was like, okay, enough playing around. It's time to close the door on these fools. And he finally got free just a little bit, and I want to call out Terry Stotts. I saw this on Twitter, and I immediately retweeted it. He let Dame stay in for that third, fourth quarter to start. Usually he plays the first quarter and the third quarter, and he's out for the first six minutes of the third and the fourth. He left him in there. If you go back and watch the game or look at the game log for a few minutes, and that's when Prigioni was on him, mm. and DeAndre was out of the game. He got just a little space. And when you're a player like Lillard, who, one, is supremely talented, but, two, is getting just terrible looks, even just the slightest of spaces, is going to look like the Red Sea is parting. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it was for him. And he got hot and, you know, just like that. I I felt confident and comfortable this team was going to win. He hit his first six shots of the fourth quarter, had 16 points in the fourth quarter. Um, He had 16 of his 22 yeah, he was not having an efficient scoring game. I no, think in the fourth quarter, they got... He was the first 14. Yeah, he was not good. In the fourth quarter, they were... I feel like the flip was switch because there was the pace of play, there was the ball movement that you just didn't see in the first three quarters. So it looked like the Blazers were actually playing Blazer basketball. So yeah, Damian hitting, just being super hot, helps, but... There was, like, ball movement, player movement. It wasn't stagnant offense 
like we saw the first three quarters of that game. And make no mistake about it, Dame has got to play like he did in the fourth quarter for Portland to win not only in game six, but if they want to have a puncher's chance at knocking off the Warriors, we need him to play like he did in that first game after the All-Star break when he got 51. And you're like, oh, Dustin, are you kidding me? Is he going to get 51 every night? Obviously not, but he's going to have to have that killer instinct and take better shots. Uh, early on, he was just trying so hard oh, and God, forcing yeah. it. I mean, shooting those step-back threes from, like, three feet behind the arc, um, that's just not how you get yourself in rhythm. Get to the foul line, maybe work himself off the ball. Uh, I thought Terry did a great job in the fourth quarter. It was out of a timeout, and it was Damon CJ just playing two-man game. One one had the ball, one went around a screen underneath the basket. A great curl, mid-range shot. That's how you beat a double team is working without the basketball in your hands. And uh, kudos to Stotts. Uh, we've given him a hard time, but he is he's earning his stripes and uh, earning that paycheck. Earning that paycheck because he's going to be a, a you know his contract's going to be up pretty soon. He's. I tweeted this a few days ago, but I think that many teams that are going to in need of coaching and GMs are going to try and pillage the Blazers. Because I think Milwaukee's going to need a new GM. I don't think Neil O'Shea's leaving, but I do think that the whoever his right-hand man is is going to get a lot of offers. Because they want that Blazers magic. They want the, the money ball approach of getting talent that isn't being utilized. So I'm thinking whoever the right-hand man is, and I probably should have looked it up, but whoever that is is going to get a lot of job offers. Just be aware for the pillage that's going to happen in the offseason. It's interesting to hear a right-hand man because it was so out in the open that when Rich Cho and even Kevin Pritchard were here, the right-hand men were Chad Buchanan and Mike Bourne. Uh, I believe both of those associates are no longer with the team. And I know Neil has like an analytical staff, and I'm, I know he has help, but I don't believe that name is widely recognized um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Like it, it's not, it's not commonplace to know who the assistants are on that management staff. And like, just think the Spurs have hit like, nope. if you're a smart team, you're not going to the Spurs because whoever is that assistant GM is just getting there. You don't want them. Just think, I hate saying this about new Orleans, new Orleans, when they tried to pillage, uh, the Spurs, they didn't get someone who actually worked for their team. Del Demps was the Austin Turros general manager. So that cupboard's bare. And when you think about it, there's not that many teams that have bright GMs. I think that Boston and Portland are the two teams that you should watch, watch out for the staff reconstruction next year. And that's a yeah. fantastic thing. Yep, those are the teams that are getting the most out of what they've got. and Maybe Dallas, too. Well, yeah, what's great about Portland, though, is they're finding different ways to win. Um, you look game four, it was hail to the Chief. Um, he was pretty chilly. I mean, we all expected him to come down to earth, but I don't think we expected him to go 0-5 from three and 1-6 of six from the field for seven points, though. I mean... If teams are going to replicate this strategy of defending Portland, I think he just needs to be a little more consistent because he was wide open again on all of those shots. Yeah. I mean, at least – I think Bogut's a fantastic defender, 
but that blitz won't be as formidable as it is with the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I know, I know Draymond's there, but I think if you're trying to leave someone, it's going to be the center spot, not the power forward spot. It's something that Dame is going to have to deal with, or the whole backcourt is going to have to deal with for the entire playoffs is getting blitzed. Do you think Brian Roberts will get utilized in the playoffs at all? Because it seems like Dame is having a real hard time uh, establishing the offense when he gets blitzed. Would having another pure ball handler in help at all? I'm not sure just because Portland's already going super small. Mm-hmm. And then you want you want to say, because you want to keep Dame and CJ on the court as much as possible. So you're possibly looking at Roberts, McCollum, and Lillard. I, I just don't know if that's going to fly. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Roberts getting some playing time, but I think right now Portland's weathering the storm and they're finding ways to win. Um, you just have to hope if you're a Blazer fan that Lillard stops trying to always beat that double team by dribbling right into it. Just pass it over the top and give it to Plumley. He's making the correct decisions. He has another freaking double-double again tonight, 10 points on 4-6 shooting, 15 boards and 4 assists. He is not only neutralizing the production of a DeAndre Jordan, but he, in many ways, is doing more for his team than DeAndre Jordan. And if you looked before the series, or even after Game 1, you would have called anyone crazy who would have you know, said that as fact. But that's, that's, that's what it is after, after five games. And that's what's fun about this team is maybe Mason Plumlee doesn't have a big role next series if they do get there. Maybe it's Ed Davis who's struggling pretty pretty mightily this series. Uh, Henderson, after game one, hasn't played too hot. Uh, he struggles. Actually, he didn't struggle. He had they 10 points on all right. Yeah, five boards and four forces. He actually played pretty nice. Um, so I take that back, Gerald. But, you know, he struggled a couple games. And then now you're seeing a guy like Alan Crabb who's starting to find the stroke. 11 points, hits two triples, four boards and three assists. Um, that's the big thing when you're looking at guys like Crabb and Henderson. If they're not scoring, are they helping the game out in other ways? And I think they are. Their defense has been fantastic. And this series, if Portland advances, will not only help them in the future, or excuse me, its future as in next series, but in the future, maybe 2017 playoffs, 2018 playoffs, because Mason Plumley is learning how to be an initiator. Uh, Alan Crabb and Alperu Kaminu are learning how to be big-time shot makers and playmakers in the system. Mo Harkless is learning how to shoot threes, but also find the spots on the floor and just be a menace on the glass as an undersized that, four. That, that motor, man. You can't they, that mo- No, and this team is finding a lot of ways to beat their opponent. And I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast uh, this afternoon getting ready for the game. He had Kevin Arnowitz from ESPN who was covering the series. And one scout in Arnovitz was talking about the Blazers and how tough they are to defend. And one scout was like, the plan for because they've got six or seven looks they can find you. And if that breaks down, Dame on a crossover is just nails. It's just, it's difficult to defend this team. And the experience they're getting, this is the experience you want. If you're talking draft picker playoffs, this is the type of experience you want. Close games, winning games, deep into series that you cannot replicate in any other simulation. Man. I keep seeing these anti-tankers just say, "Dude, would you rather? But would you rather have this or uh, that 14th pick?" It's no, keep this in. I think it's not even a question now. Once once Portland forced that game six, that all all draft pick options are thrown out the window. That's all I wanted. 
Coming into the series, that's all I wanted was a game six because Portland showed they could play with the elite. They led the Clippers wire to wire once Chris Paul was hurt. Uh, they were ahead. Clippers couldn't find any rhythm. Blake was starting to shoot his jumper a little bit, but Portland got hot in that fourth quarter. So it, it's tough to to say if we would win the series if they were healthy. Who knows? I mean, you can play that game all you want if that's, you know, if that floats your boat. doesn't float mine too much. Yeah, this scenario is basically the ceiling for this season. In in other dimensions, if there are, you and I are talking, we spent the entire year talking about Jamal Murray and Buddy Heald. This is the best it can be. Like Espo said, enjoy this. Don't bring the negativity about the tank. Just enjoy this, what it is right now. Because playoff basketball is beautiful. The most negative I'll get is saying I'm not 100% satisfied with how we started the game. And I think that's a fair statement, but I'm happy we won, and I'm stoked as hell to be in in person game six. Are you going to it? Yeah, I bought tickets uh, on the pre-sale before. And what happens is if the game never happens, you just get a refund. And I'm glad I bought it because my tickets that were what like thirty six dollars, now there's only singles available. They're like seventy retail, and the ones that are getting resold, so the people who had already bought the tickets and they're reselling it like three or four times the value. So I'm very glad that I put the faith in the Trailblazers, bought those Game Six tickets. Sage, I'm telling you, this team and these fans have a mutual affinity for one another last year against memphis it, it, it was loud because it's the trailblazers but you you knew there was no there was no hope there was absolutely no hope they were winning that series uh the rockets i was working for the team so i didn't ex- get to experience as a fan i do know i was there live when Lillard hit the shot um i think there was maybe a bigger ceiling for that team in 2014 in terms of what they can do in that current year. But I think this team with the cap space moving forward with Dame playing a leadership role, you got that backcourt with McCollum and all that cap space. You have Neil O'Shea in what is like third year. I think there's actually a higher ceiling just because of what's to come. And that's exciting. And it's honestly the most hyped I've heard that the garden maybe since of obviously Dame's point nine shot, but then you go back five years to when Brandon brought us back from 24 in game four against the Mavericks. So these past two games have been loud, uh, so intense. I, I can't even comprehend how loud it's going to be on Friday night. Friday night too, man. That's going to be crazy. I'm trying to be that responsible adult and not go to these games or not try and, you know, imagine it because I'm trying to move there. But, man, that experience is going to be fucking awesome. You know, I'm trying to get my boy Sage to chip in for half of the season tickets. I'm trying to get season tickets, trying to, you know, see if I can make it work with the wife. You know, we're trying to save too, but, you know, it's a pretty good deal. Live right across the arena, so I don't got to pay for parking. So I'm really itching. I might do it. But even if I don't, I'm definitely going to get some sort of ticket package because I love going to games and. I love getting playoff tickets. There's, like Sage said, enjoy this ride, Portland. It comes around if if you're lucky at all. It comes around two weeks out of the year. Two weeks, you're looking at maybe you're only guaranteed two playoff home games if you're a top eight team. 
Portland's lucky enough they're getting a third game, and if they win, they're looking at two more weeks of basketball. You're looking at a month of the greatest basketball being played throughout the year. This is a team that prior to 2014 had only been out of the playoffs first round one time, or zero times, so only 2014 since 2000. To think where we were in the preseason, all of those pundits, that CBS guy I clowned on for picking 18 wins, the Vegas line of 27, to think they are 48 minutes away from going to the second round of the playoffs, my God, let that sit in Portland. The second round of the playoffs after losing 80% of your starting lineup. Just let that sit in and enjoy this ride because what Portland has going on right now is special. Mm-hmm. Don't let the Blake or CP3 injuries take your intensity level or any enjoyment of this series down at all. You can't control the injuries. I can't control the injuries. It is what it is, and Portland did what they had to do to, to force a game six up 3-2. And, Sage, looking ahead to that game six, what are some X factors that you're looking for, your keys to that game? Well, I think that we need to find that th- reliable third option. I mean, that, that's that been the Blazers' thorn the entire season, essentially. So finding that third guy and then everyone being consistent. Consistency is something that the Blazers have struggled with. Let's just finish the series out playing at our optimal level because we're going to need it for Golden State. Yeah, I think the first and most important key of the game is a quick start. The fans are going to be like sharks in a blood-infested water, just hungry, chomping at the bit to get even more amped, more stoked, more excited than they already are. So jump on the Clippers early, break their spirits, and if you can have like a seven- to eight-point lead after quarter one, that would be just absolutely perfect. Another category the Portland Trailblazers continue to dominate is the glass. They won it again tonight, 53-45. to 45. If that trend continues, you look at that hustle board with rebounds, steals, and blocks. If Portland's winning that, they're going to win the game. They have to continue to play like they are the underdogs with the chip on their shoulders, and nothing will tell you more than that hustle board if that rings true. Two other points, three-point shooting. Portland goes 12 of 34 for 35%. They hold the Clippers to just 6 of 20, which is 30% in Game 5. Portland's got to hit double-digit threes again. Um, you don't expect a guy like Aminu to go 0 for 5, but you also don't expect Damian Lillard to start, what was it, 0 for 4, 0 for 5 as well. Um, get CJ and get Dame open looks. Get Harkless and Crab involved for that three, nothing gets this arena more fired up than a three. It just is what it is. And if we can hit double-digit threes, that's another key. And lastly, Portland's bench, they just need a little bit more, more production. There was no really excuse to get outscored 33-23 to 23 tonight when the Clippers are without two starters. So two of their starters have to play bench minutes, and one of those bench players was Jamal Crawford. Uh, you can't get outscored 33-23. Jeff Green almost single-handedly made this a scary game for Portland, getting 17-6. and six. Cole Aldrich, menace inside, 11 points, only missed one shot. Thankfully, Aldrich has been quiet on the road. Green has had a couple of big games. Uh, if you're Doc Rivers, you're likely not going to start Paul Pierce. Again, he looked just washed. So he's probably going to go Jeff Green. 
that makes the onus on the bench even more. You've just got to dominate those bench stats. So, you know, I'll take 11 from Crab and Hendo. I would prefer I'd prefer a, 20, a combined 25 points out of those two. And I want to see Ed Davis get into double figures. We need to get him rolling because he's been such a vital part of the equation this year for the Trailblazers in their pursuit of the second round of the playoffs. And I think it's mostly on the pick and roll. They're taking the traditional pick and roll away from Portland where it's just, okay, we're going to dump it to Mason and let him dissect. Whereas Ed, it was more pick and roll. Ed, you, you know, you just run to the rim and we're going to find you and he's going to finish fantastically with his left. He hasn't had the chance to do that. So I would love to see Ed get off, you know, get off on Friday night and carry that momentum into Golden State because make no mistake about it, we're going to need all hands on deck if we are to play the Warriors. Without a doubt. Even without Steph Curry, regardless of anything, that team is well coached. They're smart, intelligent. They have a very good defense, really good offense. Sean Livingston is not a slouch. He's probably the best backup point guard in the league. Go on and on and on. That's a very good team. Got to be hitting on all cylinders. One stat that I want to throw your way, Sage, and it seems like it's been a trend the entire series, and it's something Portland is definitely not known for, and it's the fast break points. Portland, again, outscores the Clippers 24-14. to 14. For a team that doesn't usually push the tempo very often and could get into a track meet against the Warriors, is this something Portland fans should be excited about moving forward if they are to advance? I think that the fast break points happen in the fourth quarter. And that's when the rhythm and the tempo is flowing. So, yes, if that's the case, yeah. Because I saw the, the offense moving way more fluidly. So, definitely. It was like a get-a-rebound outlet pass and we're running. And I like that. We're a very athletic team. I mean, the Clippers are so old, so tired because they have to play all their guys. They have to move everyone up a roll. So, if we can get the – if we can get it moving – yeah, that would be awesome. And lastly, one more thing I want to touch on from Game 5. Early on, the Clippers had their way in the paint. It was 30-13 to 13 at the half. You go just second half alone. Portland actually outscores them 23-22. to 22. If we're talking Game 6, that's going to have to ring true because Portland did do a fantastic job in the paint at home. That's where they're going to be. And you can only rely on three-point shooting so much. So I, what I would look is there was a play in the second quarter where Mo Harkless passed up a wide-open three and dribbled the ball mm-hmm. and dodged the defender and dunked it home or laid it in. I want to see more of that in game six because that's fourth, where you're going to open up. He didn't get that. The fourth quarter, Aminu tried to do that, and he got fouled twice. Yeah, fouled you know, another thing, you know, we keep talking about keys, free throws. Get the Clippers into foul trouble early on and just attack. On the other hand, do not give this team easy opportunities at the line. Be smart with your fouls. Portland fouled Jamal Crawford at the end of the was it the third quarter and gave him easy easy two points just to tie up the game going into the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Um, at home, you want all the momentum. The easiest way for a team – to slow down a home crowd is just by living at the line. Portland needs to stay out of foul trouble. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's tons of keys for the Trailblazers. Sage predicted Blazers in seven 
on our preview podcast, will it be Blazers in six? Yes. They're going to win in game six. I think it's going to be a blowout, and it's going to be um, a fun game. I think it's going to be maybe a little rough through one and a half quarters, but they're going to find it out. They're going to find out. I think they crush the Clipper spirits early on, and our backcourt gets rolling. And hopefully, we're celebrating come Friday night, and we'll be at we'll be you know coming your way with another podcast. Uh, we love bringing you this content after every Blazers game. And we do it for the fans. Speaking of the fans, Sage, we have a couple fan questions. You ready? I got one thing to say. If the Blazers win this game, I'm going to let Dustin tell everybody the story of how he bamboozled me for three hours. So that's a little tease, but it's a hilariously naive story about me. So if the Blazers win tomorrow, uh, Friday, I'll let Dustin tell it for all to enjoy and me to be embarrassed. All right. First question. And I would, you know, I'd love to tell that story. I know you would. I know you would. So that's, that's, that's to incentivize the Portland fans to be loud, the trailblazers to be efficient and me to be embarrassed Friday night. First question from long story longer. Says you guys will cover this, but will we close it out on Friday? Yes. Also, curious to your thoughts on why we struggled so bad tonight. Uh, we we did touch on this. I thought it was a little bit of a deer in the headlights look, look a little scared. Um, they're not used to playing with the pressure. I think they finally relax a little bit. And in my opinion, I don't think it should be a problem going into game six. Do you agree with that, Sage? I'm going to give a little bit of uh, respect to the Clippers' defense because they really did try hard. I mean, it's, it's just... They don't have enough horses in the stable to compete for 48 minutes. But but they tried their hearts out for 36 minutes or so. Last question from TBPup22. Over under on the decibel level for game six? What's the normal? Do you, I, gotta, what's the I don't normal? know the normal, but I think it's going to be triple digits. It's going to be rock. It's going to be one. Hopefully it's going to be a giant trailblazer party on Friday night in Rip City. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the the decimal level is going to be crazy high. I don't know how high the average game is, but it's going to be much higher. It's going to be, like, game four, I heard that shit clearly. They were rocking. It was dope. It was a real dope experience. Like, I've heard louder what, I've heard louder stadiums, but for a basketball game, that, that was something special. Yeah, and rewatching the games, they definitely toned down the volume. Uh, being there live, it was insane. I yelled nonstop, and I plan to do the same again on Friday. And honestly, I hope we win, just so Dustin gets to tell the story of how he bamboozled me. And if you want to hear that story, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. We talked about Long Story Longer, love just a fantastic review. This is why we do it. We do it for our fans. We do it because we love this team and we love basketball. Uh, you can find this podcast also on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. And if you're looking for a great follow on Twitter or Instagram, hit us up at Holy Backboard. Sage, let's look around the NBA really quick. Can you believe the Hornets went into Miami and won a game five? Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. Man, Dwayne Wade really messed up on that last possession. He was so, dribbling. So I, 
watching all of the game. Uh, I had it recording and something else recording, so I couldn't change the channel. I don't think I, I, you know, maybe during commercial I would have, but I was pretty locked in. Uh, what exactly happened? I, I heard Courtney Lee hit a hit a big three. Yeah, he got a rebound up, and then he passed it to Jeremy Lin, who passed it right back. He hit an open three, last possession of the game. Dwayne Wade just dribbled, dribbled, dribbled. With two seconds left, he passed it to someone for a really contested bad shot, and game over, they lost. Do you think Charlotte's going to close that one out? I think it's going to go to Game 7. I think I still have got the Heat in Game 7, but if you would have told me it would have went 7 after those first two games in Miami and Batum uh, was ruled out at that time for the series, I would have called you crazy. It just goes to show you momentum in basketball is a precious, precious thing, and sometimes Uncle Mo doesn't like to stay around too long. He likes to jump to the opponent's camp. So if you're Portland, you have to keep him around mm-hmm. because you do not want to go back to Staples for game seven. Uh, we saw the Warriors just throttle the Rockets. There was a stat that when Steph Curry went out quarter three through the second half of game four and all of game five, the Warriors outscored the Rockets by 60. Uh, if that doesn't show you how dysfunctional Houston is, I don't think anything will. All right. Um, so the NFL draft is tomorrow, the first round. First off, do you care? And are you looking forward more to the 49ers pick or the Tennessee pick? I care. But if it was a Blazer game day, it would even be a blip on my radar. I mean, it, I'm thankful it's on. Right, a Thursday, yeah. It's, it's not on a playoff game day for the Blazers. Um, I will be flipping back and forth between the other the other games because I want to see that Boston Atlanta game. That series has been amazingly fun. So I love the NFL draft more than I love the NFL itself. I follow college football pretty religiously, so I have a good read on a lot of the players. Um, I really love to see most of all where the Oregon players get drafted, especially my guy uh, DeForest Buckner. Hopefully, he falls to the Niners. Um, at this point, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what the Niners do, just because Chip Kelly's there. But also, always have my you know hands on the pulse, my pulse on the, the Tennessee Titans because Mariota is um, the QB. He's he's the, he's the guy. He's the franchise. So you want to see what they do. So those are the two teams I'm following most. But I, I definitely would say I prefer the NFL draft over the actual game itself. Well, it's all about New Orleans for. It's a mixed emotion because there's rumors that the the Saints are looking at there's rumors that they're looking at a quarterback in round one, so that means they're not really happy with Garrett Grayson. I want a defensive presence because our defense is awful, but I'm cool if we get uh, Treadwell as well. I'm just looking forward to it. I've been craving that NFL in my life, so and football in my life, so. I'm pretty ready for this draft. But, of course, oh, man. The, the NBA draft is way more higher on my priorities list. But Yeah, I mean, to me, to me the NBA, these NBA playoffs are you know, keeping me full. I'm stuffed. Now, I need a, a little tease of my Saints, how we'll be 8-8 eight and eight this year. Looking real tough in the NFC South. Fair enough, but <laughs> this is the Blazers podcast. So, all right, Sage, it is 11-41. On a Wednesday night, Blazers get a big win. Let's close this some bitch out Friday night. But like this podcast has ruined my sleep schedule. Have you been sleeping all right since we've been staying up to like one a.m. every every other night? Sleeping well, yes. Sleeping enough. 
No. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I wake up so tired, but it's so worth it. And then, I, I mean, like, I, I go to school, and then I spend the rest of the day editing the podcast. It's a lot yeah, of work. Yeah, I don't think our fans know the hustle that you do. So if you, you know, see Sage online, give him a shout-out, because he's the, he's the mastermind behind putting this quality product together for you guys, uh, editing out all of our stumbles and mumbles and putting the sweet intros in and listening to it. Before. I mean, he just he does it all. So give give him props because without Sage, there would be no holding backboard. So for those of you who like this podcast, shout out to my man. Um, thank you so much, Sage. Um, let's wrap this one up. This uh, one, you know put, what? A, put a bow. Just because they're not officially sponsoring the podcast, if you really want to thank us, get a free audio book at audible trial slash holy backboard because that actually will help me make some money i'm trying to move to portland i need some greenbacks yeah help help us out rip city let's go <laughs> let's get victory game six baby let's go